This is Jen from Grace for Single Parents, where your parenting and God's grace collide. On the podcast today, I have Rihanna Mill. Rihanna is a certified love, trauma, recovery, and mindset coach. She has been a licensed mental health counselor for over 22 years. Rihanna specializes in those who have had past childhood or relationship trauma. She has a podcast that's called Lessons in Life and Love, and the book, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve. Today, we're talking about the different childhood traumas we all experience, the differences between a narcissist and a psychopath, and how to move forward and find love when you've been in a toxic relationship in the past and have experienced childhood traumas. Welcome, Rihanna. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Would you tell listeners a little bit about you? Hi, Jen. Thanks so much for having me. Hello, everyone. Uh, there's such a long story. It could be its, its own book. But basically what I'm talking about today is um, discovering whether you had childhood trauma and how that leads to love trauma. And I uncovered this after I had a love trauma, the second one, and no psychotherapist friends of mine could help me. I am a licensed mental health counselor for 22 years. And uh, I did a deep research in 2011 and 12 and came up with the Childhood Trauma Checklist, which is now a tool used around the world. Um, I am a number one best-selling author. The book uh, that was part of the research is Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve. And for over 40 years, I've been teaching the mindset for success. I used to have a model and talent school and agency. So I would take small town people and work with their head stuff, right? Their mindset to get them picked up in big markets as models, singers, actors, and dancers. Um, even my own daughter sang on three multi-platinum CDs with the top artists of the time, is on television as a host and so forth. So mindset is always a part of the healing from any trauma. Um, also, I have a podcast called Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne. I have 110 shows on my YouTube channel. I have like 150, 250 tapes and audios that are educational. Um, so that's a little bit about me. I've been a coach since 2009, um, and I love the coaching model. It's more educational, more solution-focused than therapy. Uh, my clients do have like workbooks and books that they do with me. It's more a team effort, and they're getting real skills that they need to heal from the narcissist, the sociopath, or any other love trauma. And also these skills are amazing to teach children because I was a trauma counselor in schools, also in a mental health ward for kids uh, age five through 19 at a hospital. Also, I'm a drug and alcohol addictions counselor. So I worked in rehab centers for teens and women from the prison system. So no matter the age, the culture, the race, or the situation, the background, these top 10 traumas kept coming up. And I did the correlations with what my ex had and uh, then I put it all together. I'm speaking about this around the world now for 10 years. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a, kind of my story. And I'm a mom. <laughs> I'm a mom of two amazing daughters. And uh, thank God uh, I was able to leave their toxic father and raise them with the mindset for success. They're very successful young ladies, have amazing husbands, and I have six grandchildren now. 
That's wonderful. Do you want to start us off explaining what the top 10 traumas? I think you said there were 10 of them. Yes, there's yeah. actually more than 10, but these were the, the top 10 that kept showing up, like I said, with my populations I worked with over 22 years as a therapist and then as a coach. So um, as I go through these traumas, if you're able to write them down, and if you can, you know, you can always get the, I'll tell you how to get the checklist later at the end of the show. But uh, keep in mind that the research shows childhood trauma goes through at least three generations. So if you identify as having some, so did mom and dad, and so did your grandparents. And also, this is not a time to like blame mom and dad, because most parents do the best that they know how. And um, it's not something to feel guilty or shamed over if you have these, because just this year it came out 100% of us have childhood trauma. <laughs> so there you go. We all have something. And, um, and again, we were just little children and a product of our environment that we can't change. We have no control over that when we're kids. But the important thing is to know what they are because you can't change what you don't know or understand. Once you know what they are, and then I'll go into how they can show up in relationships, then we can heal it. So it's, you know, knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we'll just start with okay. what are the 10 traumas? Okay. <laughs> okay. So while you were young, did any of this occur for you inside or outside of the home? The first one is having a parent with an addiction. Now I named 12 addictions. So it's drugs, alcohol, sex, meaning you knew your parent was a cheater, porn, gambling, hoarding, spending, eating, gaming, TV watching, workaholism, and now addiction to computers. You're just being on machines all the time. Mm -hmm. And the child's always second. Okay, so your parents involved with any of that or people in the house, even grandparents, okay? Second is verbal messaging. So what type of messaging did you hear? Did you hear a lot of compliments and I love you and I'm proud of you? Or did you get a lot of criticism, what we call verbal put downs or slurs? For example, why don't you change your outfit? You look fat in that. This is also how you watch your parents deal with an issue. Did they yell and scream at each other? Did they yell at you? Or did one do the silent treatment and shut down and then uh, punish you with passiveness, right? Not talk to you or give you any attention. So there's a lot in verbal messaging. Number three is emotional neglect or abuse. And we all know what that basically is. Number four is physical abuse, rape, or molestation. And again, inside or outside of the home. Number five is abandonment. And there's two types, fault and no-fault abandonment. So a no-fault abandonment would be if a parent happens to die early, if they leave the household to serve the military, or if they travel a lot, but that's how they support the family. Okay, so that's no-fault. Fault abandonment is never being in the child's life being there while the couple's married or together, and then they barely see the child and break a lot of promises about seeing the child. Or it could even be an emotional abandonment where that parent is present, but not active in that child's life. That's someone that works all day, comes home, eats, then it goes into their home office and then goes to bed. They're very uh, infrequent quality engagements with the child. They don't go to their school events and so forth. Okay, the next one is if they were product of foster care, adopted, or had to go live in somebody else's house because the parents couldn't keep them in that home. 
Number seven is the one that most people identify with. It's called personal trauma. So that could be you remembering that you felt different for any reason. So you could have been a chubby child, skinny and gawky. You could have had a medical issue. Um, like when I was in the schools, the kids identified as ADHD. They always felt different. Um, it could be if you were the only African-American student in all Caucasian school, or as a teenager, you're coming out as gay or lesbian and your peers or your family does not accept you. So any of that where you just feel you're not good enough or feel different, you know, for many different reasons, that's a very popular one. Trauma eight is around sibling, sibling trauma. So your sibling could have been born with a medical issue. So mom and dad gave them more time. They could have bullied you or you also perceive them to be the golden child, the favored one. So the star athlete, the more handsome or beautiful or the better student, somehow you are always measured up to them. You know, why can't you be like your sister? You know, those kinds of things. All right, number nine has two parts. And trauma 11, I brought down into number nine. And that one is community trauma. And when I was growing up, I'm part of the baby boomer population. There was not a lot of community trauma. This includes our mass shootings, our school shootings, our big mother nature events where it wipes out all communities, floods, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, things like that. Um, and of course, the COVID pandemic. So that's why in 2021, they said everyone has trauma mm -hmm. or past okay. trauma. And then a lot of times this impacts the family, which is the other part of nine. So any of that impact, let's say two parents lost their job due to COVID, now the family is suffering economically. But family trauma could also be a parent incarcerated. It could also be you're moving a lot. If you are a military family and you're always the new kid in the school, you grew up in a dangerous neighborhood, or you always grew up with a lot of lack messages. No, don't ask for those sneakers. That's selfish of you. We don't have the money for that. Those kind of lack messages. Um, are really prevalent and a huge impact on people in business, actually. Um, okay, and then trauma 10 is um, where there's mental health issues in mom or dad. Now, us baby boomers didn't often go. We didn't see our parents go to counseling. We weren't even allowed to go to counseling. So you kind of have to guess. That could be uh, the most too difficult for kids to navigate around is bipolar and borderline personality disorder. So borderline uh, quickly is fast trigger anger, extreme moods. When they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're horrid. And the child never knows what they're going to get. Keeping that kid in a state of anxiety. All my clients that come to me, one of the signs that their childhood trauma is unhealed is ongoing anxiety and bouts of depression. Now, the other one is uh, bipolar, manic depressive. So depression can show up as anger checking out emotionally or extreme fatigue. And a manic phase, a lot of people say, was that the high and happy one? Well, it could be, but it's often tied to an addiction, like a spending spree or a gambling spree or an eating binge. Okay, so the moods could be up, but then there's something else that, you know, deteriorates that mood due to an addiction. So those are the top 10 traumas. So is it normal? whatever the you know definition of normal is, but to see yourself in more than one of those 
traumas? Oh, yes. Most people have, you know, one, well, one is rare. Okay. The, the average amount of people fall in line from four to seven. Okay. All right. So some people have a little less, some have a little more. And then when I meet with them one-on-one privately for life and love discovery session, I go into severity levels. Well, how severe was the physical hitting? Someone says, well, I remember twice it was really bad. That could be maybe a two for them or a three, but someone coming home to an alcoholic father who felt they were going to be hit every day. If he's on a binge, that's a nine or a 10 severity level. Okay. So how do these um, traumas, how do they sabotage us as adults as we start to get into our other relationships? Okay. So they hit the areas of life, love, and business. Under life, there's like five different categories. This topic is really deep. So even like physical ailments, you know, like irritable bowel syndrome, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, constant migraines, um, you know, and then the mental health piece and behavioral issues um, like uh, fear-based negative thinking is always part of those with unhealed trauma. They're afraid to take on a new challenge. They may stay in a job they hate just to get the paycheck because they're afraid of change, right? So they stay safe, but they're usually bored or unhappy. And that's why the depression comes in. This could be someone that had a toxic marriage, but are afraid to get out and date because it's got, you know, they don't know what to do or they're afraid, you know, they're gonna attract another narcissist. So it, it's a lot of fear-based thinking. In relationships, how this shows up, um, jealousy, control, lack of trust shows up because of trauma seven, not feeling good enough, and trauma two, that verbal messaging you might've gotten from your parent, like you'll grow up to be no good, right? And I, those kind of messages stay with you. Impulsivity comes from usually somebody that did not have a lot as a child, and then they say, well, I deserve it. I had nothing as a kid. If they want that shiny red sports car, they're going to buy it no matter what their wife says. Like, I deserve it. I want it. And I'll deal with it later. Um, people who are impulsive are chronic cheaters. They don't care about the other person's thoughts about it. It's what they want right now. So that's the one that ruins relationships the most. Uh, perfectionism. This is very often in women and people pleasing. This could have been the young girl growing up with an alcoholic mom or really authoritative, angry dad that yelled a lot, was punishing. So she kept practicing being the good little girl and people pleasing to keep the peace in the family. And then that went into the marriage. So someone like that will deal constantly with someone who's angry and just keep hanging in there and hoping that they're going to change and pleasing them to death. And by the time I see them, they say, you know, I totally lost who I am. I have no joy. I have no energy. I'm exhausted all the time. And that's always ple pleasing everyone else and saying no to the self. They don't say yes to themselves. And, you know, over time, that just gets really, really old and exhausting. <clears throat> if you had abandonment issues, this shows up as codependent relationships clinginess to your partner, high anxiety when your partner's gone. There's also a lot of blaming behavior. So if you have a partner that always blames you for everything, then that's a sign of unhealed trauma. Much of addiction comes from this. Um, so that's how just a few things mm -hmm. can show up in relationships. Okay. And then in career, how it shows up 
is, you know, having a tyrant boss, uh, a coworker that's really competitive and has to win all the time. That usually comes from not feeling good enough and they have to feel this sense of control. Um, in relationships, control shows up a lot. And control can work if you're an entrepreneur and then you're pretty organized and controlled in your business world. But if you start, especially as a woman, controlling your guy, that sounds critical. They call you stopping my mother, stop telling me what to do. And then, you know, they go have an affair with some girl that doesn't bother them at all in any way. Right. So, you know, this drives relationships, you know, apart a lot. And then when the traumas are severe, and there's a lot of them, this is where narcissism, sociopathy, and psychopathy comes from. So from those three, the narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths, can you explain a little bit about what they are and the difference between them? Yes. If we had to go on a scale from what's the worst, the worst is psychopath. Second worst, worst is sociopath. And third down is narcissist. However, the psychopath and sociopath are always narcissist. Oh. But the narcissist okay. is not always a sociopath and a psychopath. So let me go into the differences between sociopath and psychopath. Because a lot of people say, oh, I had a narcissist as a right. husband. And I'm with him for five minutes. I'm like, no, you had a sociopath. You know, because so many people think that term is so way up here, like that could never happen to them. Uh, when I was doing the research in 2011, it was like one in 25 for sociopaths. Now it's like one in seven. It's, it's a lot of people taking advantage of other people. Women do it to men and men do it to women equally. So everyone has to be really careful, informed and educated before they go out in dating world. So the difference is um, a sociopath has a high need for validation, attention, admiration, immediate gratification, and controls. The psychopath likes control also, but it gets really stimulated when they're controlling a whole episode. They're more calculating. They will do something over time to screw somebody over. Let's say Bernie Madoff, okay? He really took advantage of a ton of people over time financially. That's a psychopath, okay? Anger issues. The sociopath it has a lot of emotional outbursts and is prone to anger. The psychopath might be angry, but he really controls it. He wouldn't even show it on his face if he's angry. More calculating. Behavior for the sociopath is erratic. Sometimes they're great, sometimes they're not. The psychopath, again, calculating, manipulative. You wouldn't think anything's going on. You would think everything is normal because I've got this whole secret life. The secret life is a, a psychopathic trait. Mm -hmm. Criminal behavior is um, the, the sociopath is an opportunist. He's likely to engage in criminal activity. But the way I, I quickly identify a sociopath is someone using another for pleasure, profit, or lifestyle advancement. And once they get their target, they really know how to charm and manipulate and they are like the perfect boyfriend until they get married. Then they do whatever they want to do. And this is why so many women are hurt. So they are like um, that series on Netflix called Dirty John is 
a real story. And it is the story of the psychopath and sociopath, he's both, you know, using this wonderful, smart lady, great mom, spiritual person, very intelligent. And he, he does exactly what she would want in the perfect guy until they're married. That's mm. prime example. Um, in relationships, the sociopath has difficulty maintaining their normal relationship. The psychopath can play that game and appear normal for a very long period of time until he's caught. Um, attachments. Sociopath may form attachments with someone. They value relationships if they benefit from them. And they don't want the relationship to end because they've got the new lifestyle or they moved into a woman's home. So they don't want the relationship to end you know, uh, because they get so much benefit out of it. And this is where sometimes then they kill if somebody is interested in their person, right? Uh, the psychopath is unable to form attachments. They're not capable of love and emotional relationships. They're known as social predators, but they'll fake it to get what they need. And then they'll act out in a secret life. Fearfulness, the sociopath is fearful. He tends to have a lot of anxiety he hates rejection and he's easy to humiliate. The psychopath is fearless. He's really arrogant, confident. It's impossible to humiliate him. He just brushes it off and acts like it's not a big deal or it's not true. And where does this come from? The sociopath, they say it's from nurturing how this person grew up. They had a lot of adverse childhood events or trauma and they come from dysfunctional families and usually disadvantaged groups because again, they're searching for money or lifestyle, okay? Mm -hmm. And the psychopath, they said, is more nature, meaning it's inborn, biological in origin because the numbers are remaining stable across cultures and time. But the sociopath keeps growing and growing as more people are living a disadvantaged life. And uh, they are out there everywhere, yeah. Wow. So if, if we have these childhood traumas and everyone else has childhood traumas, and now we know a little bit more about the three toxic personality types, how is it even possible to attract healthy love relationships? You have to know exactly what you're looking for. You have to have, first, you got to heal the training, the trauma within yourself and have more self-love. I have a free test on my website, riannamilne.com, called the Dating Readiness Quiz. Are you really ready to date if you just got out of a divorce? And it's a one to 10 scale. Anything seven or less, we have to work on. Why? I always say there's an art and psychology to dating. Psychologically, you need to know that your life is totally together and you would never settle for less. Mm -hmm. We have a model, we'd rather be single than settle because our lives are pretty good because we built them to be that way, even post-divorce. So we have to take care of all that. Then you have all the dating skills that you need, how to stay safe in dating, what are the top 25 questions you ask when you're on a date. You're looking for, is this person a good person for me? And you'll know in date one or two. A lot of us have what we call one and done dates. And the first date you can see. By the second date, if you're not sure, you can usually tell if there's a reason to continue to date or not. So knowledge is power. And when you feel confident about who you are and you have your life together and very empowered, and you have the dating do's and don'ts skills on top of that, 
it's a lot easier to know who you want in your life. You're looking for a viable partner, not someone you're not going to fall in love with someone's potential or, you know, that you have to fix or help grow their business. No, because now you're taking on and you're going to be that role of a parent. And when you're the role of the parent, the guy gets turned off. So you want the guy that's strong, successful, confident, loves his life because you're going to be at that place where you love your life, your career. you got a great relationship with your kids and then you're two strong people as a team. So most people that come to me don't have the readiness to go date and that's fine. They have a lot of unhealed trauma. So that's where we start. Again, you can't change what you don't know or understand. So we identify the traumas, we heal them, rewrite the story, look at your goals and dreams. And many women say, I don't really have any. I wasn't allowed to have any. You know, I was always worried about my kids or him. So we create, what is that life you desire? What is that? What's that look like? So we get the goals down. We do the, the, um, the mindset work, which is healing the unconscious and making everything you do say, how you act fully consciously aware. And the trauma healing, I am a CCTP, Certified Clinical Trauma Professional. So there's many, many skills I have to teach my clients to have the healing. It's not a fast fix. It isn't. But if you come to me at 50, there's 50 years of trauma we're healing, not only childhood trauma, but your love trauma from the toxic relationship. So that takes time to heal. And there's a lot of practice involved. So when that is done, then you get the exact dating skills and what is the emotionally healthy relationship. So you know exactly what you're aiming for and you know the do's and don'ts and you have all the the warning and caution signs, which we call the red flags to watch out for so that you will not be taken by one of these people. Yeah, you have so much information. So I do want to link to everything that you mentioned, but I do think it's a habit that many of us have moving from one relationship to the next and actually stopping in between and even sitting with being lonely, you know, to understand yourself more can have great benefits for your next relationship. Well, instead of identifying as lonely after the relationship, this is now your time. This is your time to start saying yes to yourself, to grow, to heal. Um, It's an incredible time if you take advantage of it. And a lot of people I know have this question, so I want to address it, Jen. How do good people get conned by the sociopath? Because okay. that's yes. what I ask myself. Like, how am I getting these sociopathic guys? I'm a great lady. I'm a wonderful mom. I work hard in my business. I'm, I'm also smart. Rihanna. Like, why? Right. Well, that's the exact reason. Good-hearted people get targeted who are forgiving. They are used to keeping the peace in their family of origin. They're often financially pretty sound. So they want that lifestyle. Um, you want to love them and believe in them. So you keep giving them chances after chances. And if you give that sociopath narcissist a tiny inkling of a chance, they're not going to give up because they got something from that relationship. So it's very hard to break free of that toxic person. So you have to know how to be strong. Um, Any hope keeps the predator going. Okay. And they keep going back. So what you said, why do they keep getting these kind of relationships or going back to that toxic person? There's actually a term for that, RRS, relationship repetition syndrome. 
So often when I see that client and I do work with women and men, 16 to 76 years old, straight and LGBTQ. So when that client comes to me, it's like, yeah, we've broken up and got back together five times. Okay. Well, so what's happening? The unconscious is craving that love. Even consciously, you would say, I know he's no good for me. But then he schmoozes you and, and knows how to push your emotional buttons to make you feel loved and wanted and sexy or whatever it is. Then you take them back. It's good for about 14 days and then something else happens. So you're stuck in this toxic cycle. And that's what I help my clients break free from. They also seek out rescuers, loyal, wealthy people, spiritual people. Um, they tend to enable them, like I said, charm them. And uh, the victim would have a high tolerance for cheap drama because you grew up with it. Mm. Okay. Um, and that's that childhood pattern. So we have to break what we call the norms, the, the normal psychological and behavioral patterns that became so normal to you don't even see them. Right. So that's what we do. And then they go out and they start dating when they know exactly what to do. They have their life together and now they're super aware of what they're looking for. Yeah, that's good. I heard something recently about you continue to get into the same relationships over and over again, trying to yeah. heal what you didn't heal in the yeah. last one. And what that is, believe it or not, this is how, why people are getting in trouble over and over again by falling in love due to chemistry. Because chemistry takes you to your past. The brain likes to stay in a state of homeostasis. That keeps the, the body safe. It doesn't like growth and challenge. It's like, if I keep doing what I'm always doing, then I'm safe. So the brain will keep attracting you to your past dynamics from your parental home. So when you say over and over, why do I keep getting this? It's because you're, you're following the same thing called chemistry. And that's how we grew up learning. This is how you fall in love, the fairy tales. You know, uh, the prince came and kissed Cinderella and they went off and lived happily ever after because they thought each other was cute. Okay, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's why these relationships are in trouble. Cuteness and sexiness wears off when you're married to a liar or a cheater. They're no longer that attractive. So people are looking for the icing on the cake, not the substance, the cake, because without the cake, you've got nothing. So I teach a whole different, based on research, psychological art and science to falling in love so that you're not going to get hurt and it's going to be your best friend. And it's someone you trust and you don't sleep with somebody early just because they're hot. Big mistake women are making. Huge. So, I mean, that's part. There's so many things that are wrong. And this is why divorce rates close to 60%. And so many women are getting hurt. And not, another thing I hear a lot of coaches, uh, well, they call themselves coaches, but they're not very well trained because they're teaching women, be vulnerable, be vulnerable. And I, I always say, just ask if you have an Alexa, what is vulnerability? Ask the definition. And I have it written down, but it's basically a state of weakness that attracts a predator. Mm. So all these women that are learning, be vulnerable and share all your deep stuff. There's a time to share, but there's an art to it. There's a way you do it. You certainly don't do it early on. Because now, if you happen to be in front of a sociopath, whoa, he knows your darkest, deepest fears and secrets. Date one. Why? Because you were told to be vulnerable. No. Be empowered. 
I teach my people to be empowered and intelligent and smart when it comes to dating. Yet we date with an open heart and mind. We're always authentic. We never lie about our age on a dating profile. Why would you do that? Because now you're starting out a relationship on a lie. Be yourself. If they don't like you at age 62, he's not your person. Yeah. If they like you at 62, you're not starting off with a lie. Mm. And, you know, I've had um, women clients that say, this guy lied 10 years. And I tell them what to say because <laughs> we educate too when we're out there. And he goes, well, I'm only 10 years older. It's not that big of a deal. When she did a background check on him, he said he was 60 and he was 70. Mm. And she goes, really, it's not a big deal. So at 70, you'd be totally comfortable in dating someone who's 80 years old. He goes, well, No. She goes, well, I'm not comfortable dating someone 70. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's the whole lying and starting out on a lie mm-hmm. or oh, I'm doing it for search purposes. Bull. <laughs> you yeah. know? And I mean, we don't want that liar. We don't want that con. So mm-hmm. that personality is showing up early. And if you see in profiles must have chemistry, swipe left. No, thank you. You're shallow. Yeah, that's good. So there's so much to know and learn mm-hmm. from these little tiny nuances, but guess what? They all add up to education, empowerment, feeling good while you're out there. I have so many people that are engaged, married, now having kids, because I've been in this game 22 years, right? So it's so good to see them using their skills, even relationship skills. How do you communicate through an issue by never yelling? If you grew up in a household, you watch mom and dad yell and you yell to solve your problems, you'll never keep your partner. You've mm-hmm. got to learn to communicate in a way that they can receive it because they have traumas and you have traumas. So when I'm working with a couple, I have to heal partner A and partner B and the relationship dynamic. And then once they understand what each other is dealing with, now they start becoming each other's best friend and support system. And they learn to communicate properly, something we were never taught in school by our parents and not even my triple masters. That's right. So, right. you know, there's a lot to learn for my there singles is. and couples out there. Yeah. But thank you for giving us a taste, at least of most of it. Where can we find you and get more information? The best place to start is my website. It's my name, RihannaMilne.com, R-I-A-N-A. M-I-L-N-E.com. And on there is a free ebook about how to have the love you deserve. There's the four free love tests. Do them. They're going to teach you a lot. One is a red flag checklist. So if you're in a relationship and wonder if it's toxic, you'll know when you take that test. And um, there's also free book chapter downloads of Live and Love Beyond Your Dreams. And then my podcast, Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne will also teach you a lot. And if you want to meet with me, there's a discovery session right on my website. It's at a major promotional rate right now. So take advantage of that. And I'll be glad to do a deep dive into what you're struggling with. So at least you know what is going on. And then we'll start the solutions to fixing it. Great. Thank you so much for being on. Sure, Jen. Thanks for having me. If you're a single parent, I invite you to check out my free ebook, Parenting Alone with Confidence. You can find it on graceforsingleparents.com and it'll be in the show notes. Thanks for listening.